So, so uh, this is a, a show called uh, Occupational Therapy. Um, basically, we want to find out how my most interesting friends got their amazing jobs and career paths that led them where they are. You're probably uh, one of the most uh, interesting guests we've had on and also one of the youngest. Uh, but Zach, tell them what is happening uh, with our series here. Yeah, basically, I'm Jared's occupational therapist, so I need to get him a new job considering he's not allowed to do jingles anymore for his company because he you know, had to sell it and he's got a two-year cease and desist, not allowed to compete. No jingles. No, no jingles. jingles. So oh, no. what we're doing is we're looking for his next career. I know you are a damn successful uh, musician, singer, rapper, whatever you want to call it. And uh, maybe this could be Jared's next thing. Maybe he could get up there. Maybe maybe you got bars? Jared, you got bars? Uh, I do bars privately. He's seen it. Actually, <laughs> 24 has seen <laughs> behind the scenes. I've dropped bars. Don't do it publicly all the time. But, <laughs> um, but we'll get into it. You know, we just wanted to start from the beginning. And, you know, uh, I met 24, believe it or not, through someone who I work with at WME named Nancy. It just said, you got to meet this guy. And it's, it's the kiss of death intro, typically, when somebody in Hollywood says, Meet my friend's son. Oh, my son's friend. Because then you're like, oh, crap, I got to check out this thing and it's not going to be real. But, you know, it turns out that it's very real. <laughs> so tell us how you got hooked up with Nancy. What's How did you even start uh, in, in this business? Because it's all happened very quickly. I mean, so me and Nancy met through her son, Nevin, because we both went to USC together. So we just became friends, you know, in that circle. And... Um, well, one day he was like, yo, um, you got to meet my mom. Like, I was like, I, I'll meet your mom. Like, that's kind of weird. I've never had any friends be like, yo, you have to meet my mom. So I was like, all right, cool. And we ended up meeting at like this crazy Super Bowl party that uh, another one of me and Nevin's friends uh, chased through at his house. And we just started talking and it turned out that Nevin's mom um, was working, she was agent for WME and she loved my story, you know, about how I got to the place I am and getting signed and everything like that. And she really saw me being like the next Will Smith, you know, she still does. I still might be. <laughs> you did. The, the, and by the way, she, for those who don't know her, she's like one of the senior partners at WME. She's a huge believer in music and crossover talent through her. I've met Tyra Banks. She's also repping this other project, Make It Up As We Go. And, you know, the idea of, you know, utilizing music as a means to an end to build an entertainment career, has that always been the goal? You know, because it seems like you're someone who could be a TV star, an actor, as well as a rapper, because you're leaving, um, you know, a lot of that stuff open right now. Yeah, I mean, like. You know, growing up as a kid, I used to do uh, commercials and stuff like that, right? For Honda and Blue Diamond Almonds and Lunchables and all that. And I really enjoyed that. Like, it was fun to me. Um, and as I got a bit older, you know, living in San Francisco, uh, that that industry kind of got pushed out. You know, it just got taken over by tech. Rents go up, you know, and all the casting stuff moved down to L.A. So that kind of, I stopped doing that as much, you know, to focus on school as well, plus a lack of opportunity. Uh, and I started taking up music. But that, that passion for, for acting and just entertaining people in general was all still there. So once I got down to L.A. and I saw like, oh, you can really, there's no rules. You know, you can do yeah. music and TV and film or whatever you want, really, as long as you can get it done and don't fuck it up. <laughs> How did you go about even you know, putting together those first demos and even getting a deal? Because 
it happened quickly. Like, and and tell everybody which label you're on as well. So, it, it it's kind of funny because from coming to LA to getting signed, that was super fast. That was like less than a year. That was like six months, you know. But it's the three years of work, four years of work before, you know, from sophomore year of high school to my first year of college that put me in the position to to have the skills to get signed. Once coming to LA, you know. When I started doing music, I was like 14 years old and one of my mentors, Paperboy, he uh, had this sneaker boutique shop in my neighborhood. You're talking about Paperboy? Wait, Paperboy, the Diddy? Do the Diddy if you want to? No, different Paperboy? The original, the original Paperboy, P-A-Y-P-A. There's a bunch of Paperboys because even in in the show Atlanta. Atlanta, there's there's a Paperboy. (laughs) I know, there's there's, there's too many Paperboys, man. Somebody, (laughs) the other one's got got a killer name. <laughs> but but Paperboy, he he had this incredible sneaker boutique. And growing up, I'm a sneak, I'm a huge sneakerhead, interested in all the Jordans and the Yeezys and stuff. So I just started going there. And by the time I'm 14, 15, a sophomore in high school, he's like, "Yo, we, we have a studio here too upstairs. So if you ever want to start rapping and get popping in school, we can do that." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm trying to get all the girls and be the rapper. Like San Francisco doesn't have a rapper. Like, <laughs> let me just take this whole lane over, dominate it, and then." See what happens. And By the way, San Francisco has one Bay rapper right now, G Easy, right? Isn't he technically claiming well, he's not by... from San Francisco though? He's from he's the, the Bay Area has a lot. Yeah, they have a lot of they have a lot of uh, rappers, but it's like it's it's kind of confined to a bubble, you know. Not yeah. many yeah. artists from the Bay Area get out and have a global. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. So, so I was like, well, if I just make different music for everyone else here, like it's gonna it's gonna resonate because people it's it's gonna be something different, you know. So I just kept making my own style of music. And by, by um, as the songs got better, you know, I liked to do it more. And, and the better the songs got, the more people liked it. And the more people liked it, the more I want to do it. And it just allowed me to, to keep working and working and, and find my sound, really. There, the, the sound is kind of a thing. Like, I'm a music head, as you know. Like, I, I'm fascinated how anybody ever finds a unique lane in music. But the Will Smith thing is interesting because your music is fun. It's not negative it's certainly you know pop as well as well as hip-hop like how did you was there ever like a, t- a moment where you were just figuring out what you were gonna sing about or rap about that you were had to like really decide what lane you were gonna go in or it was natural so i mean i think that i i didn't really truly find my my sound until until very recently you know when i was doing music originally um I was doing it for about two or three years before I started getting good at it, like actually good at it. And I think I mistook that for me finding my sound, you know, just because I was able to make good songs. Mm-hmm. But it took a lot of time. Like when I was, when I was, when I first came to LA and got signed, I was also doing songwriting for other people because, you know, I had all this talent. And as an artist, you can only really break one song at a time, you know, but mm-hmm. I could go and write these other songs and it felt like being in the gladiator pit, just like training all day for that big fight that I didn't even know when it was going to come. Yeah. And uh, that all that work has like added up to, to me kind of figuring out like the hardest thing is what the, what the fuck do I want to talk about? You know, like yeah. there's, there's a million and one things you can talk about as an artist. So it's like trying to figure out what resonates with me and, and not only the, the content of it, but, what does it sound like that's going to be unique to me? So I think with this next album I'm working on, I finally figured that out. 
Yeah, and I can attest to the fact, Zach, uh, you know, I've thrown 24, as you know, like my previous life briefs and quickly and quietly behind the scenes, like I'll just like send him something and it'll come back 90% better than when I send it back. And that's really, you know, one of those things in Hollywood, that's a survival thing. That's like actors or comedians that know how to punch up a script or, you know, rappers that know how to ghostwrite for other people. And, you know, look at Justin Timberlake. He just did all the music on Trolls, the movie. That's good money, especially in a year where he's not going to tour. And I was looking at it like he did rock in it. He did country in it. He did hip hop. He did. And he also pulled together all his relationships like uh, Anderson Pac is in it. Ozzy Osbourne's in it. Kelly Clarkson. It's crazy. And like, Lance Bass. Immediate, yeah, Lan, Lan, but yeah, go break in, Zach. Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, just joking. Lance, oh, oh, Lance, Lance, Lance Bass. Bass. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, and I feel like the people who look at the long view of the career here, it's like music can be a means to an end to, like, figure out how do you become, you know, look, Little Dicky, who I had signed originally at Jingle Punks, that's a guy who had a voice immediately. Also, another guy from San Fran. You know, he was coming out, even though he's from Philly, he was living in San Fran at an ad agency, knew how to do client briefs, knew how to be funny, knew how to also just get legitimately jumped into hip hop, which isn't, you know, always a place, you know, for a a Jewish kid from Philly, you know, but he's truly embraced. Like, and I feel like, you know, you having also a big song just out of the gate. Tell me how Valentino came to fruition and like, because, look, I, I know a lot of artists I've worked with, and my kids don't get excited about a lot, my 15 and my 14-year-old. And when I told them that, I, you know, I uh, I know you and I've, you know, traded music back and forth, they're like, oh, dad, you're a liar. So, like, you clearly <laughs> hit, you know, a market that's, like, yeah. the Even right my, age. My, my kid said the same thing. He's like, oh, he's cool, man. He goes, all his songs are really popular on TikTok. Yeah. We'll so, get into that. But let's yeah, wait. Go, so start where you were just going to answer Valentino. the single. So, I think Valentino is like the ultimate story of, of, of the power of patience, right? I wrote that song when I was a senior in high school. I was 17 years old. I was living with my parents, fucking going to school every day. And I would just search on YouTube for hours to find beats, you know, like that I actually like because there's a million beats on YouTube, but most of them aren't that good. And I finally stumbled upon this one beat that was like a little Uzi Vert, like X future type beat and when I played it it just resonated with me and and uh, I had written down this line like before I don't want a Valentine I just want Valentino and I sang that over and I was like yo this feels so good so I just finished writing it next to my computer it took like an hour or two and uh, back then like the uh, that's when I around that time senior year I started going to a, a different studio than the one above Dream Team the boutique shop because they had a, a, dip, a better engineer there so I started working with this engineer, Flo, and I come in and I only I book three hours, you know, one to record, two to mix, because like I'm a high schooler, I don't have that much bread at the time. And uh, we go in, I do the song, and it's so high that I'm like literally like taking spoonfuls of honey every couple yeah. minutes to like protect my voice, cause I, just because it's so high and so energetic. And when we finish the song and finish mixing it, Flo, the engineer turns to me and is like, Yo, I think this is the best song you've made so far. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, this shit's crazy. And we knew it was such a special song that I just didn't want to put it out and have it fall on deaf ears, right? Mm-hmm. So I kept posting snippets and teasers on my Instagram for about a year um, until 
you know, I was in LA and I started meeting with labels and they all loved the song and I put it out on records in Colombia and it did, it did decent numbers, you know, especially for my first song, probably like 5 million in a couple months, but it didn't really start to take off until this girl, Aviva Sofia, who does like cosplay and dances on TikTok. She just kept posting and posting and posting and posting it. And it caught on like wildfire and it blew up in seven months after it released and almost two years after I, I originally wow. created it. Oh. Was that organic with her on TikTok? Yeah, I this was before I even really understood the platform. Like I just it was it was the the end of August and I just got my wisdom teeth out. So I got <laughs> shit to do but lay in bed all day and go to TikTok. So I just randomly decided to click on one of my songs and I'm like, oh, this has like 12,000 videos made to it. Like, that's pretty yeah. cool. And I yeah. checked back an hour later. I'm like, oh, now it's 12.5,000. And then boom, then 13 and 14 and 15. So I text someone on my label like, yo, y'all know what's going on? Like, my shit is going up crazy. And it just kept going and going and going. What did they say? Were they supportive? And did they amplify from there? Yeah, you know, once it started doing like, um, like, um, like almost a million a day just off of that, they they started putting in playlists and stuff like that, and and everyone was really happy because we all knew it was a, it was a hit record. It was just like, how the fuck are we gonna get it out so that people can hear it? Mm-hmm. And, and um, what's, what's more important, important to you now, now on the day to day with communicating with fans? Is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? Is it, is it you know? What, what are you using? using? I mean, I, I love like. I love engaging with my fans because it's like, it's so different to see it as a number or a statistic than it is to like have a conversation with them as, as a real person, like, like that has like blood and skin and bones and like thoughts and emotions that really fucks with you so much that they're going to just randomly take their time to DM you and have a conversation. So it's like Instagram is really good for that. And TikTok, I just like to make funny videos because like, I feel like people don't, don't have enough, like, joy and happiness in their life you know so it's like if you can go on tiktok and see me do some dumb shit and laugh for yeah 15 seconds like that is i'm technically making the world a better place so well you're, it's technically also like this is the broadcast mechanism of the moment like people are home people are a lot of people are scared freaking out like you know you and i before we got on here talked about how strange it is that like as creators we're fortunate to have stuff to do right now and you know, you also have a big community of people watching what you're doing. So you can like get up, get inspired, go, go, go. But like I've seen this huge shift in even the age group of people that have gone on to TikTok. Like my sister, who's a adult with kids, she's getting on there doing dances. There's like dads getting on there. And, and it's like it is like the window into just all of people's favorite celebrities, social media stars. and I, And I do think like there's a right way to do it at this moment and there's a wrong way. And, and certainly this, like, look at Drake too. Like it's so dope. Like the Tootsie slide is like the fastest yeah. video to ever, ever get a billion views. But that's a guy who like, I would couldn't deal with that kind of pressure because everything he does always works. So had you ever put anything out, you know what I mean? I would be second guessing everything. Like that song is like in a weird way, I'd be like, maybe it's not the right song, but it is. And it's working. Yeah. I mean, that, that song is crazy because it's like everyone thought, uh, you know, it's not going to go on TikTok. It's too, it's too like, you're too, you're trying to appeal to that audience too much. Yeah. But yeah. Because he's older a little bit. Really, really, that song wasn't even intended for TikTok. You know, the right foot up, left foot slide. Yeah. He's talking about moonwalking like Michael Jackson, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it was kind of like an afterthought. 
and I think that's that's the thing. Like people, when people try to make songs specifically for TikTok, it doesn't usually end up working because it's like this audience is so smart and so tapped oh, in, no. and has been on the internet for so long, like since they were born. They know like, oh, someone's trying to 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 manipulate us into doing something. You know, you just got to put the music out there in a way that the fans and the audience can engage with and. You just got to see what happens. So, Jared, you might not want to release that single, The Jared Shuffle, that you were planning on <laughs> dropping. <laughs> Damn it. Damn. Damn it. All right, I, guess, I guess professional TikTok dancer is out of the question for now. Uh, for me, for now, I'm going to pause that one. I'm still I'm holding out hope for, you know, uh, for at least, your, you know, rapper or MC or something. But um, <laughs> we um, also, you know, Tell us a little bit about um, what's next and what you're making now, what people can expect. Because, um, again, back to the Drake thing, it must be a bit of a, a mind fuck when you've like, you know, you worked hard, something, it's all working. The album is streaming really well. The single was everywhere. And, you know, do you sit at home going, wow, how am I going to top that? Or you just, you keep it on going right now? I mean, you know, I, I just feel incredibly blessed, like, to, to have my, my first EP have two hits on it you know that are doing like a million streams a day and, and the whole ep has like like 500 million across all platforms so it's like what wow. can i do what can i do to, to to be better than that you know and i think the one thing like you can always improve no one is ever perfect you can always improve you can always make better music so the one thing that i'm really trying to do with this next project is elevate the 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 level of the sound you know i'm trying to create my own world called El Dorado, which is the name of the album, based off of that hidden lost city of gold in the ancient days, right? Very and, cool. And, and bring it into a modern context. So it's like, I already proved to the world that I can make great songs. Now let me prove to the world that I can make a great album. That's awesome. And that's a high concept idea. That's, that's a different way of thinking about it because very few you know, uh, hip hop artists, especially are doing concept records, you know, that's more of a thing that's been in like the pop or the rock and roll universe. But that's, that's a very interesting way to bring people into your world. And that's, you know, again, why a lot of these social media stars and video game worlds, people want more than just the thing that they're involved in. They want to be able to live in it and be a part of a culture. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to just give you music. I want to give you music and fashion and culture and a way of thinking and a, and a whole aesthetic, you know? That is dope. Um, well, uh, when is that album coming out and when can we expect that? Uh, probably after this whole Corona madness. So yeah. like 2030. <laughs> I was going to ask that question because, you know, I, I haven't seen a lot of artists, I guess recently Fiona Apple put some stuff out, there's some other stuff, but I haven't seen a lot of new releases coming out. Do you think that this current pandemic is affecting the way music's being released right now? Yeah, I mean, like, realistically, I won't put it out until August or September because hopefully stuff is over by then, but it's, it's nobody really, uh, unless you're making music that is going to fit the mood of the world right now, which is kind of like melancholy and stuff like mm -hmm. that, I don't think it's going to perform as well. You know, it's like, how are you gonna? How are you gonna have a club banger become a club banger when nobody can when go to the no club? club. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. music is all about where you are. Whether there's car music, there's beach music, there's there's club music, there's workout music, and all those things are kind of like you know. And by the way, um, touring is important and visuals to accompany them. Proper music videos, so it would kind of be uh, a real misfire for anybody to try and put out anything big right now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, Zach, what do you think? We've spoken to 24, heard his path to where he got. We all know that I've dabbled, dabbled in hip hop a little bit. But what do you think? I don't know, man. I mean, maybe you just start off with a feature on a new 24 <laughs> record. <laughs> well, See if the I, public gets into it. Then we drop the Jared Shuffle on TikTok. The world's been waiting for this mixtape. The streets are watching, waiting for the Jingle Jared Shuffle. Um, you know, I, I just want to say, 24, uh, did you go to USC? I saw on your, your thing, it says you dropped out of college. Yeah. So you, How many years did you go there for? I went there for like one year. That was it. Okay. I went there too. Um, did you drop out or did you finish? No, I went through. I should have dropped out. <laughs> I, I think you made a better decision. Also, <laughs> you ended up meeting your friend whose mom works as like the head of William Morris. Like when I was in college, I met a guy whose dad owned Fat Burger. So that was my big. Uh, That's fire though. That you was kind of good. I oh, gained a lot of been weight. like the Burger Baron. <laughs> La- last thing I'll say before we let 24 go, the most amazing like entourage moment ever in the history of LA for me is I'm driving. I just got my new whip. I'm driving down, you know, I think it was Wilshire and I see uh, a lady's arm out the window bopping and I see your arm out the window and it's him and Nancy Josephson, the agent lady from WME cranking hip hop music from the car. And she is the coolest. She's like this older lady who's nice. She's like my Jewish mom kind of thing. And she and she's just like, she's into it. And I pull up and I'm like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I just honked. I waved. I was like, my day just got 100,000% better <laughs> seeing that. And I'd say, dude, life is all about luck and opportunity. And you definitely, the opportunity to meet someone like that and, you know, the work that you've put in is certainly paying off. And I'm, uh, you know, uh, better for, you know, hearing your story. And I think everyone's going to really dig it on here. Thank you for being on the podcast. Yep. Thank you for having me, y'all. Appreciate it. Get back to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you soon. Have a good one, y'all. Peace. Bye, guys. Bye.